Good morning. morning. Trees. There are roughly 400 billion of them on this planet, according to NASA. Yeah, you heard that right. A third of the United States is covered by them of various varieties. Oak, beech, pine, redwoods, big, small, the list goes on and on and on. You go to somewhere like the Congo and you will be surrounded by them. But other places, for example, a city or East Croydon, and they will be few and far between. It has recently been said that imagine if trees gave off Wi-Fi signals. They would be planting so many trees, we'd probably save the planet too. Too bad they only produce the oxygen we breathe. Oh, such a pity. Now, I assume as well as the strength of the Wi-Fi, as well as the strength of the Wi-Fi signal, is dependent on the age of the trees. Now, after all, the stronger the roots the tree has, the more energy it can devote to producing what we need, the leaves or the flowers or the fruits. But what does a tree need to have strong roots? What's it need to be strong? Well, it needs five things. It needs water, nutrients, minerals, oxygen, and sunlight. It won't make do with one of them, or two of them, or three, or four, or five. Every single one of them is absolutely vital to its house. (laughs) Tremendous. Decided if I don't want to become a minister, I'm going to be uh, branching out into comedy. So once you have those, that is when it grows, and it will keep on growing if it has those five necessities. And when it does grow, it forms rings inside the tree. You can't see them until you cut the tree in half, but once you do, you really start to see the tree in a whole new light. You start to see how long it's been around, what it's been through, how quickly it's grown, environmental circumstances to list a few. I'm not a tree expert. This is what I learned from science. So I ask you now, do you have many rings in your life? Do you feel, are you the young tree who is still learning and developing, or are you the mature tree which has strong roots and a wealth of knowledge? I personally believe I'm a bit of a... uh, Weeping willow, quite tall, not with many rings, as you can see. And, well, if I don't comb my hair, I'll look like one as well. So, let us look at Titus. I'll give a quick history lesson on Titus. It is one of the pastoral epistles written by Paul in and around 64 AD. That is the same year as the Great Fire of Rome, which to many people blamed Nero, the then king, Nero himself was blaming a new group of people who were gaining popularity by the day. Not too much was known about them, except that their leader had disappeared some years earlier, and they were bent on public speaking. Their names? The Christians. As a result of this, the Christians in Rome were persecuted and martyred. One of the well-known ones was Stephen. 
Paul himself was also martyred, and several sources suggest that Peter was also blessed with the same fate. So perhaps it was fortunate that not long beforehand, Paul highlighted the characteristics a church leader should have through the book of Titus. After all, the disciples weren't going to be there forever, so an understanding of what future, of what attitudes future leaders should have would be of great use. So our main three points for today are being Christ-like, being authentic, as Adrian said, and staying true to the gospel. Paul was aware of the hypocrisy and wrong teachings that were disrupting the message of the gospel for those who recently came to Christ and knew, and knew there had to be a change. If these new Christians were to be the future of the church, they must have sound theology in their hearts and in their minds. Rings. So as a result of this, Paul writes this letter to Titus, which highlights characteristics that church leaders ought to have. To be reverent, loving, self-controlled, kind, and to respect authority of others, to list a few. What Paul gave them was a code of conduct, a motto, or an object. Now, we at the Boys Brigade, we have an object. We make sure every single Monday evening with the company section that the boys repeat it. Probably goes through their head, oh great, it's this again. Same old object every single week. When will Alex drop it already? Moan, 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 moan. Now, I guarantee you, though, they'll remember those words for the rest of their life, whether they like it or not. People will ask them, what is the Boys Brigade? And those words will pop straight into their heads. It's the advancement of Christ's kingdom among boys and the promotion of habits of obedience, reverence, discipline, self-respect, and all that tends towards a true Christian manliness. Didn't even need to look at the script. Brilliant. Now, Paul hit the nail straight on the head. If you want to be a leader for Christ, you have to develop these attitudes, whether by hard graft or allowing the Holy Spirit to do that for you. If you can develop these attitudes, he is saying you are being better ambassadors for Christ and will set an example not just for yourself, but for those in the church and in the community around you. So we need to start throwing away all the attitudes that throw us that stop us from being nearer to Jesus. Every dead branch, every worldly passion, every chain that is holding you down, all that is holding you back from a fulfilling life, and give it all up. I want to say a quick prayer about this. And Father, we pray that we may stop living in a way that is ungodly and separates us from you. We thank you for the victory on the cross that enables us to live free lives. And we pray that we may live life fully without the constraints of sin, but rather with attitudes that you want us to have, to be reverent, self-controlled, respectful and loving. Please help us to do that, Lord, for our hearts are open and willing for your will in us. Please enable us to live free lives. Amen. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It says that in Galatians. And let us remember that freedom and what it cost for it to be made possible. We now move on to our second point, being authentic. 
We are constantly bombarded with uh, different ways on how we're supposed to live our lives. Various slogans claim that they have the answer to life. Infineon, not many of you might have heard of it, but uh, it's an electronics manufacturer. Theirs is, keep on thinking. Or Unisys, we can make it happen. Or uh, my personal favourite, Diesel, be stupid. All of these statements give a good impression that they know the, what the key is to life. However, how often does a product actually sell what it is advertising? Is KFC really finger-licking good? Does Energizer keep going and going and going? Not in my experience. Now, what people are looking for is authenticity, where they can see the product actually meets what the advertising is saying. When was the last time you said, I'm buying L'Oreal because I'm worth it? <laughs> or, I'm loving McDonald's? Do we, as the body of Christ, promote authenticity? Do we live authentic lives? Are we the plastic trees at Christmas, or are we the real things? Saying that, uh, apparently it's about 100 days until Christmas. Who's ready for it? <laughs> No, me neither. Now, what do we mean by being authentic Christians? Well, verse 12 gives us a very clear message of what it means. To say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great and God... Pardon me. Of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. If we are to be Christians with a rubber stamp of authenticity on our hearts, we must deny ourselves, live a Christ-like life, and live in the perpetual hope that Jesus will come again. This is an oft-repeated statement in Paul's letters. Live a Christ-like life in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, it says that in Philippians, or in 1 John. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way in which he walked. It is repeated many times over, there must be something in it. Perhaps I ought to be less Alex Jeffs, who is selfish and argumentative, and be more Jesus, strong, courageous, selfless. Okay, now we'll look at the last point. Staying true to the gospel. Let us look at verses 11 to 14. Not that one. Okay, all right. We've given a special name for Matthew, Mark, Luke and John as the gospels, and quite rightly so. The uh, significance of these books is unprecedented. Without these books, we wouldn't have read all the miracles Jesus performed. The Last Supper, the walking on water, and most importantly of all, the crucifixion and resurrection. However, I don't believe for one moment they are the only gospel books. Okay. Gospel simply means good news. And the Bible is absolutely full of it, is it not? I'm sure if we all put our heads together, we could list at least a hundred pieces of good news. Look at the Titus passage. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our God, 
our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Is that not good news? Jesus, the Son of God, who came down from heaven to die for us, freed us from the chains of sin so that we may do good. Isn't that good news? Isn't that great news? I believe there is gospel everywhere you look in the Bible, from the suffering of Job to the confusing text of Revelation. Because where there is room for God, there can be good news. There will be good news. Do we look at the cross and feel only sadness? Of course we don't. The joy of when Jesus rose three days later is far stronger than the sadness of his crucifixion. Of course sadness plays a part, but we know that the ultimate joy springs from his death. It says in Titus, while we wait for the blessed hope, i.e. we're not there yet, we're still stuck here until death or Jesus returns. But we have inherited a blessed hope. A hope, an assurance that we have this and heaven. Is that good news?